The story of God's intersection with humanity is a unique one. And the truth is that any time God and humans come together, you know something interesting is about to happen. Something extraordinary is about to take place. That was true of all the characters of Christmas that we are going to talk about through this series. They all had encounters with God that were out of the ordinary, that drastically changed their lives. And the first of these characters is a man named Zechariah and his wife, Elizabeth. So let's listen to Luke's account found in Luke chapter 1, verses 5 to 25. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless, because Elizabeth was not able to conceive and they were both very old. Once, when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshippers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit of power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? I am an old man, and my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you, to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent, and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. 
Now, I just want to put this scripture reading in a little bit of context for you. Luke is writing his record here to a certain Theophilus. Among scholars and historians, there is a rather heated debate about this man's identity, especially about whether Theophilus was his actual name or simply a title since the word Theophilus in Greek means friend of God. It would appear, while the identity of Theophilus is unknown, that his nationality is more known. Theophilus would appear to be Jewish, as Luke writes to him. The language Luke uses is not explained. He writes to a friend who seems to understand the significance of certain events without the need of having them explained to him. Such as when Luke is telling Theophilus a little of the background of Zechariah and Elizabeth. For instance, he notes that Zechariah is a priest from the division of Abijah, and Elizabeth is also of the lineage of Aaron. In 1 Chronicles chapter 24, we find a record of the divisions of priests all coming from Aaron being made. So the first thing we know of Zechariah is that he's a priest. We might equate this today with a pastor or a minister, of course, but Jews, even modern Jews, would be troubled by this equation. But there was an aspect of ministry, we can all agree on that. Zechariah's work was to stand before God on behalf of the people. He said prayers and interceded for the people. He taught them about the law and how to obey it. He taught the people about God and how to listen to his voice. And working beside him was Elizabeth. She too comes from a priestly family, which means she understands the demands made on her husband. She knows the reasons he does what he does. And she knows how ministry works. She understands the tasks and the obligations. And she supports him in his work. And the scriptures tell us that Zechariah and Elizabeth were faithful to the law of the covenant. Again, because Theophilus is a Jew, this does not have to be explained to him. He gets it. He understands that they were faithful to the law, to the prophets, that they did what good priestly Jewish couple would do. They were blameless. Luke says they were blameless meaning that there was no fault in them. There was a perfect obedience to the law in this couple. Yet Luke also writes to his friend and says these words, but they had no children. And this too doesn't have to be explained to Theophilus. But you and I might need an explanation on why this statement was included. You see, in the Jewish mind, if a woman was unable to bear children, she was seen as being punished by God. Because it was a patriarchal society, the thought that the problem might be with the man was never a question. The inability to bear children was always the fault of the woman and was seen as a type of punishment from God. There must have been something that she did for God 
to be so upset that she was not able to have children. Elizabeth was considered by the average Jew of the day childless because God was angry with her. So everything about Zechariah and Elizabeth is good, except for this one thing, that God has seen it fit to keep her from having children. And for her, this is an incredibly painful situation. She wishes it were not so. If only she could have a child. And no doubt, both Zechariah and Elizabeth have prayed and prayed, faithfully served God and wondered why. Why can't we have children like everybody else? And then, and then it becomes time for the priests of the division of Abija to serve in the temple. And as usual, they throw lots to see which priest would enter the Holy of Holies, and the lot falls to Zechariah. In other words, they determined the will of God to be Zechariah to serve as the priest and enter the most holy place. But I need to put this into perspective for you because every descendant of Aaron was a priest. There may have been about 20,000 priests at that time. And as a result, priests did not get to serve very often and looked forward to the opportunity immensely. And it is while he is there that he has an encounter with God. And God, through an angel, says, Hey, you know that prayer you've been praying, the one about a kid? Well, I'm going to grant it. And this kid is going to be a joy to you and a blessing to the nation. He's going to lead many of my people back to me. Oh, and please name him John. Now, I know God doesn't talk like that. But honestly, he probably spoke in Hebrew. And I don't speak Hebrew fluently. I actually don't speak Hebrew at all. God spoke to Zechariah in a way that there was no doubt who was doing the speaking. And Zechariah's first response was typical, fear. His second response was basically, are you kidding me? Do you know how old my wife and I are? His third response was doubt. He just couldn't believe it. Would you? How would you respond to life being a certain way, and then God all of a sudden throws a curveball and says, Life for you is going to be different. Life, as you know, it's going to change. And because of his doubt and his disbelief, Zechariah becomes unable to speak. His voice is taken away. And Zechariah is left to ponder this event, this moment in which God has intersected his life. And Luke tells Theophilus that this is so obviously a God moment that everyone around him can tell that Zechariah has received a vision from God. His inability to speak, coupled with the signs he tries to make to the people, affirm that something extraordinary has happened to this ordinary man. Luke records it in verse 22. 
Nothing is said that changes Zechariah into an extraordinary man. He comes out of the temple in the same way that he went in. However, he's had an extraordinary experience with God. He's been changed by God. His life has been altered as he has connected with God. And as I spend time thinking about the lessons we could learn from Zechariah and Elizabeth, the first one that I come up with, it's waiting. The first thing we learn is the waiting of Christmas. Waiting on the Lord requires patient trust. It means giving God the benefit of the doubt. Trusting that God will come through and fulfill his promises. In this situation, what makes matters worse is that Zechariah's name means whom Jehovah remembers. But after years of waiting for a child which hadn't come, and Zechariah waiting to be picked to perform the incense offering in the temple, you can kind of understand Zechariah and Elizabeth's questions and doubts toward God. They were faithful in every way, and still they were waiting for the blessings of God promised in Zechariah's name, and in the hope of every couple that they would have a child. And you can imagine they would begin to ask that inevitable question. That the when eventually gave way to the why. Even as they continued to pray for these blessings, as the years rolled by, they must have had a growing sense that God had passed them over or even forgotten them. How long can a soul ache for something so seemingly so right before it begins to lose its grip on hope? This is not just a question for Zechariah and Elizabeth. It's a question for the Israel nation. It's a question for each one of us. That is the pain contained in waiting. Frederick Buchner writes, I think we are waiting. That is what is at the heart of it. Even when we don't know that we are waiting, I think we are waiting. Even when we can't wor find words for what we are waiting, I think we are waiting. An ancient Advent prayer supplies us with the words. Give us grace that we may cast off the works of darkness and put upon us the armor of light. We who live much of the time in darkness are waiting, not just at Advent, but at all times for the advent of light, of that ultimate light that is redemptive and terrifying at the same time. It is redemptive because it, because it puts an end to the darkness, and that is also why it is terrifying. Because for so long, for all our lives, the darkness has been home, and because to leave home is always cause for terror. But it's through waiting that the light of Christ enters and breaks through. The message for Zechariah and Elizabeth is the message for Israel. It's the message for each one of us. Hang on. God has heard your prayers, and in the coming of the Messiah has answered them. The light of the world is coming and will break through your darkness.
And the second lesson is love. The love of Christmas. Elizabeth had been filled with the Holy Spirit, and now Zechariah was as well. He, too, is moved. He is too moved to speak. He's too moved to sing God's praises about the impact of the coming Messiah, which speaks profoundly of the love God has for his children. God comes to his people. He draws near. He rescues and he brings salvation to each of his children. He enables us to serve him without fear. He shows us mercy and forgives our sins. He will bring light into the darkness of our lives. And he will bring light to guide our feet into the path of peace. All of this speaks of the love of God for his children through the gift of his son Jesus. Because Zechariah and Elizabeth in the birth of their child and the birth of the Messiah experienced the real love of God and the love of Christ for them personally, they received the blessing they'd been waiting for. There is a blessing found in the waiting. It is the blessing that is ready for each one of us on the other side of our waiting. We just have to get there. So what are you waiting for this Advent? Let us pray. Father, you are faithful. You've come through time and time again. Your promises come true. And Lord, just as you came through for Zechariah and Elizabeth, in your time, Lord, we know that you will come through for each one of us. But Father, waiting's hard. Waiting is filled with darkness and fear and doubt and disbelief. And Lord, we pray that you'd fill us with your Holy Spirit, that in our waiting, the light of your love would bring the joy, the peace, the hope, and the love that the Christ child brings into the world. So find us in our waiting. Meet us where we are. And break through that darkness. And bring us your glorious light. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.